Hi, this is Ben Zorns with Ellerslie Mission Society. This is part three of a three-part message given by Pastor Eric Ludy at the church at Ellerslie in lovely Windsor, Colorado. It is our hope and prayer that this message would convict, inspire, and invigorate your pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also want you to know that should you ever have any questions or comments regarding any of the ministries here at Ellerslie, we are always happy to provide answers and receive feedback. Simply contact us at info at ellerslie.com or give us a call at 970-686-9022. We really would love to hear from you. Enjoy the message and may your faith and love in Jesus grow larger as you listen. Now here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Session three, the growl of faith, the triumph of the vigorous soul. At Ellerslie, we call it the growl. That there is something that must be resident in you that growls. There must be strength. There must be impetus. You see, in this battle for faith, if you are passive, if you are weak, if you are malleable to what the enemy has to say, you're going down. But if there's a growl and you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is standing behind you yammering, you know, guess what? I don't need to listen to that. But you have a growl and a determination to say, I will not turn my gaze from what God has spoken. So the spiritual growl, don't live your Christian life without it. Sounds like some great commercial line, doesn't it? (laughs) Don't live your Christian life without a spiritual growl. Now, some of you are like, well, God, I don't even know what that is. That's why you're being discipled. You see, the Spirit of God wants to introduce you to the growl. You know what the growl is? It's him. It's him living inside of you. It's him actually making the statement when you hear the yammering voice back here, no. I say the word no in my spiritual life a lot. I know it sounds terrible because in your spiritual life you should be saying yes, right? However, there's a lot of no's needed. And that is all these fireworks displays that are going off over here that saying, come on, just take a peek. You know you want to look at it. And you say, no, no, no. And you say yes to the word of God. It's a constant. It is a battle that we are in. And faith must be resolved and must have a growl. Putting doubt in its place. That's my creative way of saying where the wall should be. You're not supposed to be here grabbing the fruit and partaking of what the devil has to say. All his great philosophies and his brilliant ideas and his false religions. You know, that he has manufactured over all the centuries. But what you're supposed to do is build a wall right here. You can lean against it if you want. It's a wall of doubt. I doubt anything you have to say. You make any noise over here, enemy, I start with the premise that you're a liar. And when I know that you're a liar, I know that everything you say comes out of that. So guess what? I have, you've totally lost credibility in my eyes. Okay, that blob of grease streaming down your forehead was a dead giveaway. I have no idea why it took me so long to come to this conclusion, but you're a liar. And you, oh Lord Jesus, are the truth. So putting doubt in its place. Now what I did for you, just to give the very clear representation of what is on the other side of that wall, is a big pile of junk. Okay, and it gives off a smell. Have you ever noticed when you're standing here focused, even when the enemy, you've tuned down the volume, have you ever noticed the smell will waft, come under your nose? And it's just like, whoa, you have to recognize that it's putrid. That will kill you. Everything over there, even though it might have a sweet smelling savor to the world, the less, the more you focus on Jesus, the less you are attracted to that, that smell. It's an amazing thought. God even talks about that in the word of God when he's talking about when we come unto Christ, we change sense. 
In other words, even the way we smell to this world is different. Well, now the way the world smells to us is different, too. We're no longer attracted to that. It actually is disgusting to us. So I put little smell lines up there for you, just so you could understand it. This is all that is contrary to the Word of God. This is the Word of God. It's very simple. Anything that is not the Word of God, and anything that would say that this is a lie, anything that would refute it, anything that would attempt to undermine it, is contrary And it deserves to have your doubt. It deserves to have you growl against it. Ready for the test, eager for the fire. For real faith doesn't stagger at the seeming impossibilities. So here's what I want to prepare you for. If you believe in this, you will be tested. It's called the trial by fire. This is how real faith is proven. I don't want you to fear this. I just want you to know this is how it works. For real faith to be proven to be real faith, it must be tested, which means... You will make a decision to believe in this, and there will be a fireworks display over here. In fact, you've never seen so much noise on this side of the ledger as when you choose to believe. I mean, you would have thought the enemy had gone to sleep, and then he, you, he woke up the moment you turned like this and repented. He's like, well, we got a red alert over here. Eric Ludy just turned, just repented. Bring out the big guns. I have been tested so many times over. Even when I felt like I'm the only one on planet Earth that simply will believe that to be true. To say, even if I'm against the entire world, I believe it. And yet, look at this room. It's full of a whole bunch of you that say the same thing. No, Eric, we're with you. That's why we like to hang out together. We call this a salt shaker. Salt likes to be around other salt. However, the funny thing about a salt shaker is little holes in the top, which God dumps us out all over the world. We don't just get to stay in it. If we're doing the work of salt, we don't just hang out in a salt shaker. However, it's very nice to be here for a little bit, isn't it? The motto of the Chinese underground church. For those of you that read Chinese, it's the top line. (laughs) So I'm going to try and say it. I I had someone who spoke Chinese that looked at me like, that is terrible, Eric. However, I listened to it over and over and over again, and I wrote it down so I could say it properly. Jin Jin Bu Pao Hu Lin. Some of you are like, that's great. Of course, you don't know Chinese. This is what it means. This is what the underground church says to each other all the time. Real gold fears no fire. You see, if you truly are changed by Jesus Christ, you don't fear the fire because the fire only purifies and proves you to be gold. Gold doesn't fear fire. Think about it. Wood, hay, stubble, it should fear fire. Gold doesn't because it's only purified in and through it. When you turn into Jesus Christ and you become gold, Guess what? You say, bring on the fire. Well, maybe not that loud. But you say, God, I accept the fire. The Christian, we're going to call it the original tree hugger. I mean, the liberals think they came up with these terms, but technically, we are tree huggers. Let go of that tree, says this voice over here. Not on your life. This tree is my life. This is where I found salvation. Just make sure you're hugging the right tree tree. Trial by fire. Noah is tested by a cloudless sky for 40 to 70 years. You want to know how awkward that would be? God says, build. What's this voice saying? You're an idiot, Noah. God spoke. He promised. He cannot lie. I'm building. Abraham tested by both the sheer impossibility of the promise and the interminable passage of time. Why is it that God says, you will have a son, and then he goes silent for a while? You ever notice that in your life, too? It's like, God, 
you know what? It would be a lot easier if you just sort of moved this thing forward, always have a daily evidence for me that, you know, you're, you're thinking about it. Instead, God says, do you believe it? Faith isn't easy. It's called work, and that's why there's the word called believe. We believe for a living. That's what we do. Jacob tested by the long, dark night. He holds on to God until the word until is very important, until he gets the blessing. You, when you turn unto Jesus Christ, cannot let go. You mustn't let go of his promises. Hold on to them until you receive them in full manifestation, until Jesus comes down, that sky breaks open, and you see him on his white horse. You're not done. We have a job to do. The Spirit of God has been praying for 2,000 years, one very specific prayer. And if the Spirit of God is praying a prayer that hasn't yet been answered, you can feel better about the fact that some of yours haven't yet been answered. The Spirit and the bride say, come, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Caleb tested by the 31 hostile giant empires. He goes into the land, sees 31 hostile empires, uh, fortresses raised up to the heavens, and what does he say? My God is able. What? Who thinks that way? Someone who's focused this direction. Do you see how big my God is? These guys say, do you see how big the giants are? No, 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 see those? I see how big my God is. The one who created the heavens and the earth. Why am I going to concern myself with a few measly giants when I got the God of the universe? It's a good question. David tested by the lion, the bear, and the 12 and a half foot tall man beast. You know what? Those are tests. And with each one, he's being proven. He's being refined by the fire. So he keeps his forehead like flint, and he says, it's just a lion. It's just a bear. It's just the greatest warrior in the, my generation who's 12 and a half feet tall. What's that to God? Mary and Martha tested by Lazarus's four days in the tomb. The disciples tested by the boat filling up with water. All right, so you're in the boat. Jesus is sleeping. That's awkward. Uh, <clears throat> hey, psst, Jesus. Uh, we're sort of in jeopardy. That's the term used in scripture. The boat is filling up with water. We're about to capsize or go under. He doesn't seem to care. He's asleep. Have you ever felt that in your spiritual life? However, who is in the boat with you? The Messiah, the Christ, the creator. I think you're fine. One of my dreams is to see this reenacted the way it was supposed to have been done, where Peter looks over at him and goes, hey, guys, could you settle down? If he's sleeping, why don't we all lay down and go to sleep too? Would that be the most hilarious little short skit you've ever seen, where all of them lay down, and then Jesus opens his eye. He was awake the whole time. He opens his eye, looks around, he goes, oh, that's right. And then he goes back to sleep. The winds and the waves just calm. The boat just empties of water. And all of them have a great nap. That part might not be as fun to watch. <laughs> Peter tested by the natural laws of, walk, of water and men walking on it. Jesus says, come, walk on water. People don't walk on water. I don't know if you've ever studied that, but there are certain laws in, in place in the natural universe that make it impossible. And yet, Peter actually gets out of the boat. It's pretty amazing to think that there was a man that walked on water other than Jesus. Peter did. However, what came up? It was called a test, a trial by fire, a wave. And I always picture the, you know, the Hawaiian surf wave cresting over him. And what did he do? Instead of keeping his eyes focused on this, he turned. And he began to sink. You see, the secret to walking on water in your life is to stay focused on the one who created the water. You see, if you keep walking, you know what happens to that cresting wave? 
Just keep walking. You'll find out. Stay focused. <laughs> the very moment you think it's going to crush you, it dissipates into nothing. At Ellerslie, we call them alarms. Just an alarm. Don't listen to it. It's just the enemy making a bunch of noise. It's a test. Stay focused. John tested by the side of the Messiah, suffering, dying, and being buried. When your Messiah looks weak, the one who created the heavens and the earth, he's dying. How about when he breathes his last? How you doing, John? What do you think the voice is saying? So much for your Messiah. When you see a dying man on a cross, when you see him breathe his last, what do you see? That, my friends, is the victor of victors. That death is my life. Do you see it? Though the world would deem it weakness, do you see the strength? What amazes me is the thief on the cross. Jesus, silent as a lamb under slaughter, weak, looks like a criminal suffering. And what does the thief next to him say? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knew he was a king. He knew he was coming into a kingdom. Do you know that? When you see the cross, do you see it? When your God looks weak in the culture around you, do you know that he's your creator? That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Those are the moments that prove it real faith. And if you're ready to be a Christian, you need to be ready for the trial. Four key truths about faith. Faith to be faith, genuine faith must have action. It must believe. This is just a summary. Faith must have an object, a focal point, in which to direct its confidence. Faith, if it be real faith, will not waver from its focal point. And finally, faith must be proven authentic, and therefore it must be tested with fire. The two trees, in the midst of the garden and in the midst of our souls. In every situation, we are between two trees. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So, Jesus and him crucified all of life's challenges. I don't care what challenge it is, every challenge is solved by staying focused here. Every one of them. In the midst of our marriages, you know that in each of your marriage challenges, you have to choose between selfishness, which is a constant bait, and selflessness. If you want to live well and you want to succeed in marriage, stay focused. If you turn, start turning to this tree and say, I deserve better. Hey, come on, that was unjust. You're just going to go downhill quick. In the midst of our families, frustration, very easy to partake of that fruit. However, if we partake of patience by staying focused here, guess what? We succeed. In the midst of our financial challenges, boy, this is a hard one. Fear, anxiety, fretting, and foreboding, the enemy is sort of like, just take a good bite. Come on, it'll really help your financial problems. Does this help? Does actual anxiety, fretting, fear, and foreboding change anything? No, which is why? We have an unshakable confidence. And this is the same for every other arena of our life, in the midst of our health impediments, in the midst of danger. In the midst of danger, does it really do anything to turn to fear? No. That's why the church of Jesus Christ does not fear. And I mean it. Does not fear. There is no anxiety in us. That's how we live. Because we have an unshakable confidence with a wall of doubt towards everything on this side. In the midst of our spiritual calling, you have an unshakable confidence. My God has called me. He will enable me. He will equip me with his grace. The great quote of the faith-filled soul, and this is how we're going to conclude. When you stand here and all hell has mounted a pile of noise on this side of the wall of doubt, what you learn to say in your soul 
is watch. Watch what my God will do. Because he's certain to do it. What faith will always find when it's real faith is it will find that God will always prove faithful. He's called faithful and true, which means when you put your faith in him, he is full of everything needed and required to match that faith. He answers one singular thing, and that is faith. And so if you offer him faith that is unshakable, that is unwavering, constantly not just turning over here and questioning God, but stands resolute, God will always, without fail, forever and always, be faithful. Christians, this is the basics of the anatomy of faith. There's a lot more to faith, don't get me wrong, but this is the basics. Let's relish what God has taught us today, and let's begin to do it. If you have spike nard, I want you to choose what to do with that jar. I want you to consider breaking it open on Jesus Christ, repenting of your doubt or the faith that you have put in the enemy's camp. And I want you to freshly put your faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening to part three of this three-part message by Pastor Eric Ludi, pastor at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Please feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission. If you have any questions, comments, or just need more information about Ellerslie, please visit our website at www.ellerslie.com. Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. For Ellerslie Mission Society, this is Ben Zorns cheering you on as Christ cultivates his set-apart life within you.